It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 at News Talk WSB, 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends, and I am Walter Reeves, and I am the Georgia Gardener because I have been gardening in Georgia for for how long? Let me think. I started gardening when my father made me go and pull weeds around the tomatoes when I was eight years old. Over 50 years I've been gardening in Georgia. The math gets pretty sometimes <laughs> so over 50 years gardening in Georgia at least I've learned a couple of things and if you want me to share them with you all you have to do is give me a call 404-872-0750 even if you've never talked to a call-in show before go ahead and do it this morning nobody's listening you don't care their neighbors are not listening to you right now just me Ashley Frasca Jason Byers we're here we're listening to you we're trained in the art of talking and we'll talk to you about your garden. If you don't know the plant that you wanted to ask about, fine, we don't care. We'll, we'll figure it out or not figure it out and tell you that we can't figure it out. If you have an organic question about gardening, if you have other questions you think are just too weird or too simple or too out of the, out of the box, give me a call, 404-872-0750. I would like to complain <laughs> for a moment. I would like to complain for just a moment here when a plant that I despise turns out to be useful. That is what I'm complaining about today. There's a plant. I've seen it for sale at nurseries occasionally. Mistakenly, I hope. I hope they just made a complete mistake and they sprayed it with Roundup and threw it in the trash. But there's a plant called chameleon plant. It's pretty attractive. It's called chameleon plant because it has sort of arrow-shaped leaves. They're pink and white and green. Colorful. Really nice colorful. It gets 6 to 14, 16 maybe inches tall. Has a little white flower on it. And the thing that if you ever break a stem that you'll notice is that the sap stinks. It does not smell pleasantly. Chameleon plant. Sap stinks. Guess what? There is a chemical in the sap of the chameleon plant called methylnonal ketone, which turns out to be a very, very effective mosquito repellent. I ain't scrubbing that stuff on my skin ever in my life. And frankly, the methylnonal ketone is just a very small part of the chameleon plant sap. And so it's really not that that you're smelling when you break the stem of the plant. But the methylnonal ketone is the, one of the newest biopesticides that is very effective against mosquitoes and ticks for that matter. And if you spray it on your body, it lasts for a good, good long while, keeps the mosquitoes away. And again, a biopesticide is sometimes known by its other sort of chemical name of undecanone. That's a weird name, undecanone. So is methylnonal ketone for that matter. But the one plant that I just don't like at all, both because it's invasive. I didn't mention the invasive part, did I? No. Well, the other reason that I don't like it, besides the fact that it stinks, is that the chameleon plant is terribly invasive. It goes everywhere. It goes so far, so fast, that when I got a little bit of it in a daylily bed, the daylily bed was about four feet wide and two feet, about four by two. 
I could not control it. I could not pull it fast enough to keep it under control in that daily event. And what I ended up doing was using a shovel to dig out every cubic inch of dirt in that daily bed into a, into a wheelbarrow and then just carefully shook the dirt off of every root of the daylilies until I made sure there were no roots of chameleon plant on the roots of my daylilies. I filled it with new soil, planted the daylilies back in there, and everything, the old soil, went out to the street to the garbage man. It is a nasty plant. Don't like it at all. Yet, it's useful. There are other plants I'm sure that are useful too. You know, you can eat kudzu. I've eaten kudzu before. You probably have too. Well, maybe you haven't eaten kudzu, but there's some things that are, can, are pretty weird plants that are useful to human beings. If you have an example of that, give me a call, 404-872-0750. First this morning, we go down to Griffin, Georgia, to our friend Nicole, who greets us this morning. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. Miss Nicole, good morning. How are you? Fine, fine. Uh, it keeps the mosquito away and everybody else away, too. If you if you spread the sap of that chameleon plant, yeah, you would not want to be even in the same room with somebody. Oh. With a chameleon plant. It's a nasty plant. So, uh, are there the spread with seed? Are there the spread underneath the roots? The what? 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 How does it spread? Oh, by roots. Yeah, you're right. By roots, underground roots. They go oh. from place to place. You don't see it, of course, until it pops up 6 inches and 12 inches and 18 inches away. And you know what, Nicole, there's another plant, which I like a lot, which is also effective against um, mosquitoes, and that is the beautyberry. You know, beautyberry has a little uh, purple and sometimes white berries on it, lots berries, of them yeah. up and down the stem. Beautyberry in the fall, really pretty plant, very nice plant. And my memory is that the scientists about 10 years ago had taken the advice of his grandfather, who used to take branches of beautyberry and stick them underneath the halter of his mules to keep mosquitoes from biting the mules while they were working in the fields. And so they were going to synthesize the chemical and blah, 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 blah. But I didn't see anything about that in my research about the chameleon plant and, and mosquito repellents. Do you think that all our problem is in the plant, the answer is in the plant, if we do more research and... Uh I think every plant has a purpose, just like every creature has a purpose. Even though we don't want to admit it, mosquitoes feed fish. <laughs> the larvae of mosquitoes are very, very good food for the fish in the ponds and things around, around the world. And mosquitoes themselves, even though we probably should not say this, sometimes have been um, sort of helpful in weeding out the weak, I guess is the best way to describe that. And then there are some plants, certainly, that we think of as noxious, like kudzu we mentioned, and chameleon plant, and some others, poison ivy, but they have a use. Poison ivy feeds birds. It's pretty colors on the leaves in the fall, sure. Yes, and those catawba worms, too. <laughs> your catawba worms oh, that eat all the leaves on your catawba tree, they feed the fish. They're great fish bait, make very enjoyable afternoon fishing for, for fish with catawba worms, yeah. Uh, I have an advice. If you want to plant catawba tree, do it in the field, in the woods, somewhere. But not so close from the house. Why? Because, oh, those worms, they can 
The cats love them because they play with it, but they're everywhere and you slide on them. <laughs> yes, I have three cats I bought one next door. I know she was a fishing and, uh-huh. and she freezed those worms, you know, but they can defoliate a tree in yeah, two days, Mr. Reed. Yeah, they can. They're hungry. They're a caterpillar, any caterpillar is simply a stomach with legs, six legs and a stomach. That's all a caterpillar is. And right. if they would stick to the catabra leaf, but no, they go in the canna and they go in everything else. And oh, they it, God Almighty. They get everything. You know, uh, another another worm that I have gotten now three emails from people asking about is the bagworm. You know what bagworms are? Nicole? Yeah. Yeah, they get on the uh, arborvitae and Leland cypress. And if they're numerous on, uh, on an evergreen plant, they'll go over and eat Japanese maples and uh, uh, other trees and vines and things around there. So bagworm is another. It's not exactly a caterpillar, but it is a uh, wingless wasp. But it's certainly another one that is lots of them can really defoliate a plant very quickly. So uh, since it's been raining a lot last year and this year, yeah. all those pests, why don't they freeze in winter time? <laughs> you wish if you had a really, really cold winter, you'd think, well, at least the fire ants will be frozen. At least the mosquitoes will be down this next year. The tick population will be low this coming year. And I think that all of those noxious creatures, just like a weed, they have the ability to procreate to, to to make more of themselves so quickly that even though bunches of fire ants were to get frozen in the wintertime, they still make themselves the eggs, the queens lay more eggs in the spring, and so you don't even notice that there's less fire ants or less mosquitoes because of a cold winter or rainy spring, either one. So the fire ants, if... Um the neighbor, they move around, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Fire ants move from place to place. When they find a nice environment, the queen goes and sets up shop and starts laying eggs, and then soon you've got a big mound, and kids step in it and take all the clothes off because they get stung by the fire ants, sure. So the more we have water, the the more we have creatures, isn't it? I guess so. Most creatures, well, most, all creatures depend on water, humans as well as insects as well as plants and and. You know, animals, everybody else depends on water. Sure, you got to have water. Water is basically It's uh, like this year, it's like rainforest. I mean, you just cannot stop the stuff from growing. Yeah, true. When we've been to the jungle in the Amazon last year, oh. boy, oh boy, those things, the plants there would not stop growing. You, know, you look around and see the vines creeping across the trail in front of you. They were so fast growing in the jungle. I don't think nothing can stop except concrete, but then Maybe again, not. the the bamboo is going to come on the, on the interstate. <laughs> we don't want to get into bamboo God, this morning. That's a whole nother con- conversation we should have. Nicole, it's wonderful talking to you again this Saturday morning. I will see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We will see you soon. 404-872-0750. The number we'll have Janice talking about her peach tree in a minute. Brenda wants to talk about tomato blight. Stacy has a hibiscus she needs to move. And Janice, again, another Janice, has a tomato has a leaf curl on it. We'll talk about all that right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, the first days are the hardest days. Don't you worry like easy street there is danger at 
Gotta watch out those first days. They're the hardest ones. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy today, high of 89, low of 72 overnight. Sunday, scattered thunderstorms possible. In my view, every day scattered thunderstorms are possible. High of 85, low of 72, and your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Janice in Kennesaw joins us first. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Good morning. Hi. And um, we have talked a couple of times in the past about my wonderful peach tree, which I love. And no matter what we do, we still get the worms in the peaches. Yeah. So um, I'm not quite ready to give up yet, but my question <laughs> is, I know, I know, I know. I know. So the the bruise on your I, head is not quite big enough. It doesn't pound <laughs> bad enough. You're still going to keep trying to get peaches. Go ahead, Janice. Like, Go ahead. I just, it just seems like, you know, I'm in Georgia. I, I need to have a peach tree in the yard somewhere. All and right. and um, so... I'm ready to cut this one down because I, no matter what I do, I can't get good peaches again. The peaches in the beginning were wonderful, yeah, but now the they've got those little worms. Got yes, it. those little worms in them. So I want to cut this one down. So my question is, can I use the same location for a new peach tree? If not, how long do I have to keep the area bare or do I just have to go to a completely new location? A year would be nice because the insects curculio that makes the worm in the peach has a part of its lifespan, lifetime, life, uh, you know, stage in its life that it lives in the ground. And so it would be uh-huh. nice to make a stop to that so that anything that's in the ground dies, doesn't come up, doesn't have anything to eat, doesn't have any peaches to uh, chew into. So I think a year, Janice, if you want to really be safe about it. So do I have to still treat that area like with the same pesticides that I did? No, I don't think when so. I, was I think just tree? simply uh, one thing you could do. I tell you, if you want to do something to do once you cut this peach down, is during the summertime you could solarize that soil, stretch some clear plastic over it, anchor it down the edges with logs or two by fours or dirt or something like that, and let right. the clear plastic heat the soil underneath so that both diseases and insects would be cooked the rest of the summertime. That's a great thing to do for you. And then maybe yeah. in the in the winter, till it once or twice before you plant your tree, just to expose them to a little bit cool weather, cold winds and things like that to dry the insects out and to disrupt the diseases as well. Okay. So then, and actually, so if I do that, like, I'm ready to like get rid of all the peaches like right now. So if I cut it down and do what you're saying yeah. by like n- next fall, fall of 2019, I can plant a new, new tree because that'll be, it will go through the rest of the summer, the hottest part, like right. August, September, go through the winter time, and next fall I can plant a new peach tree. I think you'd be safer to do that, to wait until next right. fall. There's okay. lots of farmer's markets around right now that have plenty of delicious, ripe peaches that they have taken <laughs> care of, Janice. You could go and patronize them instead of worrying about this because... But go ahead. I know you're stubborn, and so am I sometimes. So go right ahead. <laughs> You might hear back from me again, Walter. I I might. Thanks for for calling. I'll tell Ashley to wait for your call. Thanks for calling, Janice. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Oh, you know, always the same question. If we go in here pretty quickly, we get Brenda in. Hey, Brenda. Let's go up our about a minute's worth. Because you have almost the same question, but about your tomato. 
Exactly. I was listening to you oh, several weeks ago when you were talking about tomato blight. Yeah. And I went out and checked my plant. I said, yeah, I think I've got tomato blight. Okay. So I took, a, I took a piece of it up to Pikes, and we had a, luckily I had three associates, and we had a committee meeting about what was wrong with my uh-huh. tomato plant. So anyway, I, I sprayed them with the bonide copper okay. fungicide, which they said was good to use. Mm-hmm. And my plants are not recovering at all. They're, they're getting yellower and yellower all the way up, and I've got, got my tomato plants are full of big green tomatoes and i was wondering i'm gonna will they ripen on that on these plants if there's just the slightest bit of pink at the blossom end yeah they'll go ahead and ripen either on the plant or off the plant for that matter as long as they're warm enough uh once that red has started that pretty much says the tomato has cut off communications with the rest of the vine and the chemical processes that involve ripening have started and will continue as long as it's kept warm. Okay, so when I figured after I got these tomatoes off, I'd pull these things up. Can I plant new plants? And it's a raised bed. Um, can just, I plant new plants there? Yeah, but you know the the big thing is to make sure you mulch just the minute you plant. Even mulch first, and then plant through the mulch. Just don't get any soil on the lower leaves because that's where the fusarium, where the early blight comes from. Okay, That's so it's not in it's not down in the soil so that the next plant would get it again. Not from the roots, but on the leaves. Okay. All right. So the, well all right, good. It's not too late to replant, is it? No, heck no. You got plenty of time to plant tomatoes now. Okay. All well right. thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Brenda. Thanks uh-huh. for calling this morning. See you soon. Four oh four eight seven two zero seven fish is the number on lawn and garden. We'll be back to more garden questions and answers while you wait. After news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635, 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, helping you be more successful in your garden by whatever means you define success. One more flower, one less weed, you ask me, and we'll try to get there together. Stacy is in Locust Grove and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Stacy, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how can I help? I have a question. Uh, we recently bought a house that had established gardens around the pool. Yeah. And there's a plant that I'm told is called a um, Lone Star Hibiscus. Right, big red flowers and, on it. Yeah, it's not a very pretty plant. It's kind of a big, ugly <laughs> plant with pretty flowers. Okay. And it's mixed in with um, camas. And I do want to keep the camas, but I'd really like to relocate the um, the Lone Star Hibiscus or sure. take them out and give them away. Yeah. But they're, they're big established plants. Well, how easy it is to move those. It's easy to move, but it's not great for the plant to do it now. It's way too hot and it's got big leaves and it'll really suffer if you try to move it now. Um, if you want to, you can try, but whoever you give it to or wherever you plant in your landscape, some other, uh, some other spot, it's going to need watering attentively for at least a month. At least a month. Okay. 
when is a better time of year to move it? As soon as the leaves have fallen off of it, in November would be great. All the leaves fall off then, you know, and just got those brown sticks sticking out of the ground. And you could just cut those down to about, you know, six or seven inches high and uh, move around then. And no problem in getting the roots established during the winter time. And next spring, up it comes again in a new spot. Good to know. Thank you so much. All right. Drive safely. We'll see you soon, Stacy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Janice in Lilburn joins us now. Hey, Janice. Good morning. Hey. How hey. are you? Doing fine. What's going on with the tomatoes? Well, Ashley said something when she was um, clearing my call. She mm -hmm. said something about spraying Roundup near my tomatoes. Yeah. So I... Um, I, my tomatoes are huge and they look healthy, except the top, the leaves around the tops look like they're starting to curl. That's not round I up then. If it was round okay. up, it would be the base of the leaves would be a bright yellow or maybe a white color. But you would tell me immediately, say, wow, the leaves at the top of my plant, all of them have yellow at the bottom. What is that? No, no. Really? And I put, I've done what you said and I put newspapers all around. As soon as I planted yeah. them, I put newspapers all around the bottom. So there's no yellowing and, um, on the other leaves around on the tomato plants? There's a little bit on the bottom, but I just picked those those branches off and they haven't climbed up the plant. You know, Janice, like this that. could be just what is commonly called tomato leaf curl. Tomatoes will curl naturally sometimes to protect themselves from hot sunshine, to keep from uh, evaporating a lot of water through the leaves. They just curl up like you would do if you were in the middle of the desert wanting to you know, protect your skin. And tomatoes do the same. So unless you see some other bad thing happening to the tomatoes, I would just say they're curling up to protect themselves and don't worry about it. Like slugs? <laughs> oh, yeah, like slugs when they curl themselves up, you mean. Yeah, maybe. But I think this may be leaf curl, and you don't have anything to worry about. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. Good luck with it, Janice. Thanks for calling. All right. All right. Comes now Miss Bremen, Miss Jean from Bremen, I should say. Miss Bremen. Hey, Jean. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, well, if you can help me, I'll be fine. All right. I got two problems. Our tomatoes, it's not getting big. Yeah. And my hydrangeas, a bunch of the older plants, too. A lot of the new ones. And they're not having any blooms. Gene, if you have not had hydrangeas this year, then we have some serious talk to do because hydrangeas have been glorious all over Atlanta right now. Mine is not, and I don't know why. They no. got killed back twice with the late cold and frost. Not this year, though. Well, I mean, mine did. We had a they little bit of cold, but I didn't think it was that cold in Bremen, but maybe so. Yeah. So if that is the case, if they did get some frost damage to them back during the wintertime, that certainly would tell you why they're not blooming now, because it just froze those um, bloom buds at the ends of the branches. Well, they just, I mean, I've got five or six older ones. Yeah. And then the new ones that I put out there are not blooming. You but, need to yeah. go shop for some endless summer hydrangeas, Jean. Because endless summer can be frozen in the wintertime, and they'll still come back and give you some blooms during the next year. Okay. That's an idea for you to check around on that. And, you know, you're not that far from Douglasville, and Douglasville has a big hydrangea festival every year. And I hear that their hydrangeas are doing great there, so not just around the corner from Bremen. Okay. Well, what could be causing our tomatoes not get big? 
Mm, I mean, they're loaded. Not enough fertilizer in the soil because it rains so much it washes a bunch of nutrients out. If you have not fertilized once oh, at least. Oh, he fertilized. And he sprayed, got this spray, Miracle yeah, Grow. Yeah. Well, and in that case, would, they should be growing. You should have at least the three feet, four huge. feet tall. Yeah. But to our tomatoes, it's not getting big at all. Oh, well, just don't, don't fertilize anymore. We have the opposite problem now that you may be fertilizing a little bit too much, which forces more foliage onto a plant. And supposedly the more foliage you have, the more energy will go into the fruit. But for a while, the plant is just thinking, I gotta make more leaves because the gene keeps putting fertilizer on me and I'll tend to the fruit later. So at this point, I think it's gonna be stop fertilizing and wait for the tomatoes to enlarge or new tomatoes to be put on and they will get large themselves like they're supposed to. Okay. Okay, well, I'll try to find some more. Endless, endless summer hydrangeas. They bloom on this year's as well as last year's growth, and so that is how you get um, get things to bloom even when you have severe winters. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You've yes. helped me a lot. <laughs> it's great to hear from you, Jean. Again, thanks for calling. Okay. We'll Bye-bye. see you. Kane is in Peachtree City and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kane. good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's going on? I've got uh, emerald zoysia that I put down in my front yard two years ago, balled in topsoil, and then then put a layer of sand down uh, and then placed all the sod. And I just had 80% of it will not grow. It, it's green, yeah. but it doesn't grow. It doesn't get any height to it. Talk to me about the soil and the sand, Kane. Tell me more how thick it was and all that. The, the, the topsoil I hauled in was probably a, a foot or so of topsoil. Wow. And then the sand I put down probably ranged a couple, two to three inches. Uh, there's our problem, I think. That would be the first thing I would look at. The Something that I'm becoming more and more aware of, Kane, and I promise you this is only in the last year or so that I really thought about this a lot and been shown some science and some research that proves it, Plant roots really, really don't like moving from one environment, let's say, to another environment. So if you lay sod on top of sand, the soil that the sod was growing in is completely different from sand, usually. And so the roots have to figure out, how am I going to get through this inch or two or so of sand? And then when they get through the sand, it's like, oh, man, look down here, it's topsoil. They may like the topsoil, but they're still having to go between two or three maybe different interfaces between soil types, soil mixtures. And that makes grasses and tomatoes and trees and everything else not happy. So the thing that I think I would do, you can't dig the soil, dig the side up now and, and remix the soil. But what I would do is pretty deep and thorough aeration uh, now and maybe another time in the fall just to sort of bring up some of the topsoil into the sand layer and get things mixed up a little bit better than it is right now. If there's a solid layer of sand on top of topsoil, I can see why the zoysia would not be happy. Okay. I'll give it a try. Now, I've I've top dressed with some uh, compost um, as well, but I think it's helping. Out of of curiosity, Kane, how are you fertilizing? What's your other management things you're doing? Uh, I put down ironite and then just... uh, I really haven't done a whole lot of fertilizing. 
Yeah, we need to work on that too. Um, zoysia is not like Bermuda grass. With Bermuda, you can fertilize it three or four times a year. If you like to mow, fertilize four times and mow it every three days. You'll be fine. And the Bermuda will look really, really green. Um, but zoysia, typically you can fertilize it twice and it'll be perfectly happy. And my friend Tim uh, Boyer down in, in Noonan, he fertilizes his twice a year with milorganite, which is a real slow-release organic fertilizer. He said, boy, he's never had better-looking zoysia than when he fertilizes with the slow-release milorganite, although you could use the turf fertilizers, the Scots and the Pikes and the other brand-name turf fertilizers, too. But he just likes, Tim just likes the uh, organic fertilizer. But if you haven't done much more than ironite, there's some lack of nitrogen in there that the zoysia would really like to have, I think, right now. And what was that? Uh, mill organite. Mill organite. Mill organite. organite. Yeah, go to any big box store or pike nursery and say, I need a bag of mill organite. And uh, the mill organite comes from Milwaukee. It is composted sewage sludge. It's been sanitized. It doesn't have any heavy metals or any poison things in it, or germs either. And uh, the name mill organite, it means Milwaukee organic nitrogen. Mill organite. And so they ship it down in big bags and a lot of uh, landscapers use it, and people, homeowners do too. You just buy it by the 40-pound bag. Usually you put around somewhere around 15 pounds per 1,000 square feet. So measure your lawn before you go to the store and say, okay, I need 15 pounds per 1,000. I have you know, 10,000 square feet, so I need 150 pounds. So make the math before you go to the store to buy it. Great. I'll give it a try. Thank all you, Walter. You bet, Kane. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. One of the things you can really, really get ahead on is knowing how to fertilize, how to manage, really, how to manage the different grasses. Not every grass is managed the same. As I said, the Bermuda grass fertilizes three or four times the summertime, zoysia twice. Centipede grass can get by with one fertilizing every year. Fescue, you don't fertilize it during the growing season right now at all. You fertilize fescue during its favorite time, which is September through April. So knowing each one of those things really gets you to be an expert in lawn maintenance and knowing how high to mow it. Oh my gosh, that is one of the biggest things you can know is what is the height that your grass likes to grow at. And I think there's a temptation for a lot of us when we see a lawn that we've had to mow you know, the last four or five weeks and mowed six times and we think, man, if I just cut it low, I'm just going to cut it real low and it'll take it a while to recover and I won't have to mow it for a couple of weeks. That's bad news for the grass. When you mow grass way down low, Bermuda grass included, you expose the crown of the grass plant to a lot of sunshine. It gets cooked. It gets too hot. Fescue is particularly prone to being mown too low. And so if you mow fescue down at an inch or two inches maybe high, it gets really cooked, and then it declines. And then in the fall, you look out at your lawn, and you think, where's all my fescue I planted last spring? I don't have any grass out here. What's going on? You mow fescue at around three and a half to four inches. You mow... Let's see, Bermuda grass would be around an inch to an inch and a half, maybe two if you have common Bermuda. Zoysia needs to be an inch and a half to two. Centipede grass really, really likes to be mowed around an inch and a half to two and a half. If you mow centipede either much higher or much lower than an inch and a half or two, then you end up getting centipede decline, all related to how high you mow the grass. If you want to know how to manage your particular grass, go to my website, walterreeves.com, type one word in the search line calendars, C-A-L-E-N-D-A-R-S at WalterReeves.com, and you'll go to a page that has calendars of management for every kind of lawn grass that you have. Click on the link, 
print it out, put it on the garage door. There you know what to do. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy today, high of 89, low of 72. Sunday, theoretically scattered thunderstorms, probably scattered thunderstorms today as well. High of 85, low of 72 on Sunday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. One of the things, one of the benefits of going to my website, WalterReeves.com, it says other things besides just the tens of thousands of articles and pages that we have there. Let me mention a couple of things that happened at WalterReeves.com. One is the newsletter. And Ashley and I are working together for the next uh, couple of months, maybe, to increase the number of subscribers to the email newsletter. This is completely free. All we need is your email address and your zip code so we sort of know where we're mailing these things. And so we're going to push for new subscribers to the newsletter. But the reason you subscribe to it is because it has interesting articles and pictures in there. The last issue that we that we did was about um, uh, chimney swifts and the chimney. I already talked about that last week, but the leaf-footed bugs. Now, that's an interesting thing because leaf-footed bugs literally are that. Little insects, little beetle-looking things. And their legs, back legs, looks like it's made of a little leaf back in the back. Are they good or are they bad? They're bad. So they get on this lady's blueberries, and they were eating up her blueberries. They get on tomatoes, but lots of little holes in the tomatoes, made little rotten spots. Leaf-footed bugs, bad bug. And what I found, too, when I was a beginning gardener, which I, I still could be classified as a yeah, beginning gar- gardener, but what I got from your newsletter was the garden calendar, and also mm-hmm. with so many listeners, I share off the air your lawn care calendar. Yeah. So those things are on your website but you put it very handily in the newsletter, what should I be doing this month? What should I be doing this time of year? That garden calendar is great. And because it's people sending me pictures of things that they see in their garden, I can't be everywhere. I can't see every insect or every weed or every condition that might be happening. But people send them to me, the pictures, and sometimes I find things that I think, wow, I'm so glad that was such a great picture. And that was the second uh, picture and article in the in the newsletter this past week was, what was this creature? It looks like a big, swollen, pink, either a tick or a pig. <laughs> the lady said pig-like insect. I thought tick-like insect was what it described. But this is a milkweed bug, a milkweed bug that eats the milkweed that feeds the monarch butterflies. And there are milkweed beetles or milkweed uh, other insects that feed on milkweeds as well. But this particular one was the larval form of the milkweed bug, which I'd never seen before. Again, big, pink, pig-like or tick-like, one or the other. And that was in the newsletter this past week. The third question this past week was the cucumber plant. Oh, this is really wild. The guy had a cucumber plant, and he said the stem, when it started growing, coming out of the ground, the cucumber plant stem was round. It got about three feet tall, he said, and now the cucumber stem is about two inches wide and flat, completely flat, not round at all, but flat. What is going on? It's a condition called fasciation, and fasciation happens because either genetic weirdness happening in the bud or because some strange environmental thing got too hot, got too cold, 
asteroids, I don't know, some cosmic waves, I don't know, something like that, hits the, the bud at the end of the stem, and it begins growing instead of round, growing flat. Fasciation, it happens on a lot of plants, it happens on daylilies and um, willows, you see fasciated flat willows and uh, things like that. And so I explained that to him, and I believe he was satisfied for that. All three of those interesting things about the, the leaf-footed bug, about the milkweed insect, about the uh, fasciation on the on the cucumber plant, all those were in the newsletter. And that is completely, as I mentioned, did I say, completely free. All you have to do is subscribe by going to WalterReeves.com. Make sure, by the way, that your computer has pop-ups enabled because when it uh, when you hit that link, it goes to WSV where we collect the email addresses and the zip codes. And it's a little pop-up window that you put in your email, your information there. So make sure you have pop-ups enabled, and that way you'll be able to subscribe to the newsletter. And then every other Thursday for forever. We've done it now. I checked out the other day for Ashley. We've done it now for 14 years. I put these things out every other Thursday for 14 years. You do the math. That's a lot of newsletters. Every one of those is online. And the subjects I mentioned earlier this morning, if you want to look at it, those articles, they're online right now at WalterReeves.com. Besides that, it's a newsletter. Besides the calendars that Ashley mentioned, besides the garden events that Ashley mentioned, on my website, you can follow me on Twitter. I tweet things all the time from people who have interesting things they send to me. I think I won't put it in the newsletter. I'll put it on Facebook. I put it on Twitter. And so I'll put that there on either one of those. You can click on the links on my website and follow me there. As well as if you want to listen to the podcast of the radio show, we download every every week on I think it's Sunday or Monday morning. It'll be on the web on the WSB website where you can download or listen if you want to listen live to the whole garden show at your leisure from your computer or from your cell phone or wherever you want to do that during the week. So all those things there are there for you at WalterReeves.com. It's 658 at News Talk WSB, our phone number 404 872 750 We'll be back after news. <laughs> 